Ah, thank you again amidst the hustle and bustle of American life. As I stand outside recording into my iPhone, I just want to say welcome to Drilling Down. Thank you for being here. I think this is a really important series that we're going to be doing. Uh, a few housekeeping things real quick. I just want to say if you are on the Version Bible app, look for us, Drilling Down. It's going to be the same logo you see no matter where you are listening to our podcasts. I, every single day, go through and... Um, put notes, notes for my friends only in there that have to do with Bible prophecy and deeper things about uh, what you're reading there from the Hebrew and the Greek, just some really, really fun stuff to add. I know there's probably 35 of you on since I started that two weeks ago, um, exclusively to you guys as drilling down once it fills up with, what are they at, 250 cap, I think, is what um, version puts it on. So once it fills up, it fills up. But you want to look for, um, on your Version Bible app, again, drilling down. And uh, you can go and access all those notes. You can see those and uh, have a little fun on your own in the Bible. That being said, we always have uh, welcome your comments here. Drilling down podcast at gmail.com. Drilling down podcast at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to support the show uh, and keep this thing ad-free, keep this thing from being behind a paywall, you can Venmo any payment to Kyle-Gray-88 on Venmo. All of that completely goes to all the fees to keep this thing moving forward. I appreciate you guys so much. Now, the main thing here is that we want to talk about America in Bible prophecy. So I'm excited you're here. I know that a lot of people will be new when listening to this. Uh, so I want to say welcome to all of you. This is a show where um, you're safe to laugh. You're also safe to say, whoa, I got to go listen to that again. You're also safe to reach out to me and ask questions. Uh, but it's one that I hope you're not going to feel uh, judged. But at the same time, you're going to feel convicted because the Bible does that to all of us, all of us. So the opinions in this podcast are sole representative of myself and no one else, which is why some of them are probably wrong. Hey, welcome to Drilling Down. One God, one garden, one choice, one fall, one abomination. One flesh, one flood, one last chance. Far below our weary feet and high above our interstellar skies, just out of reach of our three-dimensional world, lie truths hidden so deep, woven so intricately into the fabric of the universe, we have no way of ever knowing their path of revelation. They lie dormant in the dark matter of primordial history, locked away deep within the earth, forced to haunt from higher dimensions, prowling the vast universe, clawing their way into our deepest fears, watching, waiting, three. Paranormal activity, UFOs and UAPs, cryptids, poltergeists, antichrist, fallen angels, giants, portholes, the beast arising from the sea. Who can stand up to him? I ask you, who is like the beast? One God, one war, one victor. This is the story of our past. This is the story of our present. And this is the story of our future. This is Drilling Down. Ah, welcome. 
welcome everyone back to Drilling Down. This exciting episode is Where is America in the Bible and the End Times? Oh, yes. Now, <laughs> I can't tell you how many Christians I know uh, that ask me this very question. Now, this is an important question, but just to start things off, I need you to understand that this is not really an important question. <laughs> and what it does is it really sets the tone for us as gringo Western Americans to be so narcissistic, to be so incredibly self-absorbed with ourselves that we almost demand that we be in Bible prophecy. We almost uh, can't even fathom a world where we are not the centralized topic of conversation, where we are not the super global power when it comes to military or when it comes to finances or when it comes to celebrities or when it comes to music or anything that we think of, we think of America, the greatest and the best. So, you know, we're all shoving each other to get front in line to ask the question, where are we in Bible prophecy? <laughs> and to me, Someone who has studied this for over 35 years, you guys know eschatology has always been my main focus. Uh, I can honestly say that I don't have a bone of that in my body anymore. Is America in Bible prophecy? Doesn't matter. But since you're asking, I really feel inclined to talk about it. Now, in order to talk about it, oh, there's about a million ways we can go here. And we're going to have a few different uh, episode parts of this as we focus in on how we're going to tackle this. But I want you to understand something. Uh, I say this over and over again, hit drilling down. You can never, ever, 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 ever let current events dictate the Bible. You can never look at the news. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can never uh, read something, read a headline and go, Ooh, where is this in the Bible? That's not the way it works. You have to start with the Bible and you have to go the other way around. I mean, honestly, I can't even tell you guys how many Christians I know because I see it on social media every day. I see it in text threads. You can talk circles around me about the daily news. You can talk even circles around me about what prophecy expert said this or what, you know, prophecy expert said that. But you have absolutely no clue about what the Bible says about them. Now, if you consider yourself an end times guru, but you end up going to more podcasts and prophecy news watcher websites and buying clusters of DVDs from conferences of end times things and different movies that have been made. You spend more time on all of that than you do in your Bible. I'd say you are misled by the false teachers. Now, I'm not calling these people in a prophecy a false teacher. I'm just telling you that in the end times, many people will be led astray. Many people will be distracted. 
Many people will be focused on themselves, self-absorbed. Many people will be convinced that, that their take on Christianity, that their take on the end times, that their take on the true truths of the Bible is so correct that if anything else counter comes into play, even if it's from a prophet or a disciple, even if it's from Jesus himself, you won't believe it. Don't get your stuff, guys, from anywhere else except the Bible. I have no idea what that accent was. But Kyle, that's why you're here. <sighs> you're right, I am here. And I do love eschatology and I really love teaching it. And I do love podcasting. You know, the where is America in the Bible question is even debated amongst really smart scholars. I mean, way smarter than me. I know, guys. Shocker. <laughs> There's smarter guys out there than I am. Hey. Uh, I'm going to show you a few places in the Bible throughout our next few episodes here together uh, that are argued about. But the bottom line is, listen, friends, America America, at least in name, it's not in the Bible. I know, I know. Come on, Kyle. <sighs> Freaking NFL, man. The rest of the world's got this lame football soccer stuff. Freaking guns. We're America. But late. Yeah, we're not in the Bible, but, you know, then again, neither is the word dinosaurs or the word trinity or rapture. <laughs> or God loves those who help themselves. <laughs> what an anti-God statement. I love it. So good. Anyway, I think it's possible that we are, uh, you know, that we're alluded to as America deep in a prophecy of a major Old Testament prophet. I believe we're there and we'll talk about that a little bit. Even that's debatable. Now, look, you guys that know me, you know that. I don't claim to have the final word on anything that is not, oh, what shall we say, gospel-centric, trinity-centric, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to make a, a definitive statement on something that the Bible's not definitive on, okay? Whether that's amillennialism, premillennialism, you know, uh, futuristic, you know what I am, pre-trib, post-trib, pre-wrath, all that stuff. You, you know, when it comes to all that stuff, you always hear me say, but if I'm wrong, okay, and even though I believe I'm right and I have the studying to prove that I'm right, I think the Bible doesn't close that up. So, yeah, Jesus is the Son of God. That's closed up. You know, the, the Trinity, that's closed up. You know, there are truths in the Bible. You, you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you die. You go to hell. Yeah. I mean, there are there are cut and dry sins in the Bible. So there are things that are not up for debate. But if they are, then I always graciously just give my viewpoints, but say, you know, in the end, I don't know. And don't ever listen to if you're listening to anybody on Bible prophecy, be really careful about this. All right. I'm not a uh, uh, the NAR movement really has really got me. Uh, it's grinding my gears, guys. But that being said, anyone can call themselves a prophet and prophesy and all these things. I don't believe in it. I don't believe they're. Uh, but if you ever encounter somebody who's teaching on Bible prophecy like I am today, that claims to definitive, definitively know something beyond a shadow of a doubt that is debated among scholars that the Bible has honestly not proven. 
then you need to slowly back away from that podcast there, buddy. Back away from buying those books. Back away. <laughs> okay? You have to first be able to say, look, I may know more than you. I may have studied more than you. But in the end, I, I am a literal peon in comparison. I mean, I don't even know how to describe it to Yahweh. I don't know anything. All right, now that we've uh, cleared that up. So, uh, there's a lot to unpack here with this. And I don't want to spend an hour prefacing, but I have to unpack some things. Obviously, there's a lot going on with this topic I chose to take. So, here's how I designed the next few episodes, just so you know, so you can see what the setup is and what you're in for and see if you dig it, all right? I designed this for, number one, to show uh, where we are today, right now, as you, the listener, uh, uh, sitting there listening to this, no matter where you're at, where we're at this very second, today, in end times Bible prophecy, okay? Today, who are the global players that are on the table? Today, what's going on that we can literally now look from the Bible at the news, right? The 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 right the correct way to do that at the news and go <gasps> So I'm going to cover that. Because if you want to understand where America is in Bible prophecy, you have to understand where we're at in Bible prophecy is the world because you you do know that America is not the world, right? <laughs> Anytime I hang out with anybody, and I have from uh, Europe, they're just astounded at how absolutely, incredibly egotistical we are. <laughs> yeah. USA. All right. So number one is what's going on today that we can see in the Bible. Because trust me, we're there. Number two, uh, we're going to get a thorough understanding of Ezekiel 38. Remember, Bible first. So we have to see something that's going on in Ezekiel 38 without getting, again, bogged down in the whole uh, Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, 39, Psalm 83 war thing that I've covered so many times. Uh, Bill Salas does a great job on all that as well. Dr. My, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, what's his name? Reagan, David Reagan. Anyway, okay, shut up, Kyle. Uh, so Ezekiel 38, we're going to get a grip on that. Yeah. Come on, guys. The inner ring of Muslim nations, the outer ring of Muslim nations. Come out. Uh, and then number three, we're going to take a look at uh, America in Bible prophecy. Jeez, thanks, Kyle. Number three, really? How many uh, How many episodes do I have to sit through before we have? Shut up. All right, number four, the state of America today. So, I mean, we can't look, guys, we can't look at saying, well, okay, here's what I believe the Bible is saying about America in Bible prophecy without then turning the light and shining it on who we are as a nation today. Uh, and so how all that lines up with Bible prophecy. How fun is that, guys? All right. So uh, before we really get rocking on this, you've heard me say it many times before. But uh, since this, I believe this episode title in general is going to bring a lot of new people to drilling down. Uh, and I say that because I it's really funny. But if you go into whatever podcast um deal you use to listen. Some people listen to me on Spotify, some on iHeartRadio, some on 
uh, Stitcher, some on CastBox, some on Apple Podcasts, some on Google Play, right? You get it wherever you're listening right now. Some on the actual Buzzsprout website, which you should do. Um, then you're able to, uh, you're, you're able to find me anywhere. But if you put in a search with whatever, wherever you listen and you say, um, what is it? It's, uh, how did I word that? End times? No. Holy crap, Kyle. You are wasting these people's time at 12 minutes and 30 seconds in. Oh, if you put in the phrase and the biblical end times or something about, you have to word it just that biblical end times, at least for me on my, my podcasting, like drilling down comes up pretty high because most people don't put that. They'll put prophecy in the end times, you know, this, that Uh, I usually include biblical end times. You'll see that in a lot of my episode titles and that's not by accident, gang. I'm not that big of a moron. I do it because if anyone's looking for biblical prophecy, I'm going to be one of the higher ones that comes up. So anyway, some of you are going to be new only because of that. You've seen America in biblical prophecy and you're interested in that. Welcome to Drilling Down. We are super happy to have you. Yes, there are what, you know, like an endless array of, uh, of seasons and episodes down below you that uh, you can go check out that are all leading up to this point. But since some of you are new, I'm going to say it again. We at Drilling Down, uh, one thing I teach guys is that and this may be countercultural to what you've heard, but please understand me correctly here. You cannot read the Bible. You know, when you bust out your devotions every day, you can't read it as if it's 100% written to you. I do have listeners from around the world, but those of you in America, especially, you can't read it like it's talking to you as an American today. Now, I have to clarify, yes, the truths of the Bible are timeless, right? We know that here. We know that, uh, it, you know, it's, it's completely accurate. And it's inherent and we, we know that it's so profound for us today that it's, I mean, that's the beauty of the Bible. You can read it over and over and over and over again. And every single time something new is living that jumps off the page, it's active. It's every bit a life-saving jolt today from the grave, guys. From death to life right now, it's every bit of a jolt to eternity as it was in the Old Testament when it was written. And the New Testament when it was written. But you have to understand the Old Testament at the very core of it. Yes, it relates to us today. Yes, in a supernatural way, the Holy Spirit is able to take these things and work them into our lives just like they were spoken to us anew and afresh every day. But guys, in the end, the Old Testament was written for the ancient Hebrew and the New Testament was written for the Second Temple Jew and the Gentiles alive at the time of Christ and just afterwards. And I hope you keep that in mind. I know that many are completely shocked to see what makes the Bible 
the only, and I mean it, guys, only authoritative sacred text of any world religion. The fact that it not only has 100% accurate prophecy, archaeology, all of it from the past, but at the same time, it goes ahead and details every step of our future. Guys, it's crazy. And if you don't believe me, okay, one of the most important things you can do if you have not listened to episode number 69, <laughs> nice, go back to episode 69 of mine and you are going to get a very clear understanding of how unmistakable it is that Israel is here today in power like it is today from where it came from out of obscurity before World War II. You need to go back. If you have not listened to that one, you've got to go back right now. Stop it. You can come back at 17 minutes into this one at some point. Go back and listen to uh, what's what was it called? outstanding signs we're living in the biblical end times astounding signs i don't know it was episode 69 nice that's all i ever remember all right so go back and do that unfortunate it was that particular episode number but that's what we have for our forever future referencing all right so i'm telling you guys the bible when it comes to prophecy freaking nails it And I'm not going to make an apology for that. So, guess what should make you so excited, guys? Listen to me right now. Wherever you're listening, you're driving the car, you're riding your bike, you're working out, man. You're, you know, you're hanging out in the bathtub, super weird, but okay. You know, no matter what you're doing right now, guys, you're listening. I'm telling you, you know what should make you, whoever you are, however you are listening right now, it should make you so excited that you poop. Your end times tunics. The fact that the scriptures show us that right now we are knee deep in the final setup on the end times board game. Not according to Kyle Gray. Not according to whoever your pastor is. Not according to whoever your prophecy guru is. But according to Yahweh. And I mean the board is set with laser precision. All right, Kyle, shut up. Get on with this marathon of an impossible-to-cover subject in a single podcast episode, but please actually cover everything. Thanks. Sincerely, the Drilling Down listener. All right. 20 minutes in should be attempted. Oh, uh, if you're driving right now, uh, don't do this. But if you're just chillaxing, listening, however you want to, uh, I'd encourage you as I'm, you know, making my way through this to go ahead and bust out your phones. You could look up something geographically in a minute, but you can also get into your version app. You guys know I love that version app. All right. And you can turn it to Ezekiel 38 in the Old Testament. You can turn it to Ezekiel 38. Please go ahead and do that at any time. Now, uh, if you don't have a version account, you don't have uh, a Bible on your iPhone, uh, you have one of those, what do they call it? Uh, 
Oh, man, what are they called? They, uh, they're leathery. They got a ribbon attached. Oh, man, some even have like, like gold leafing on the edges and red lettering. What? Are oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical Bible. If you got one of those, please turn to Ezekiel 38. <laughs> Look, man, don't get me started. Like, guys, I'm as big as a Bible, theology, Hebrew, uh, Greek, eschatology nerd as it can get, man. And I have completely ditched physical Bibles. Sure, I've got one so I can maybe hold it, I guess, sometimes when I preach, but I don't even do that anymore. You just use an iPad. <laughs> I mean, guys, I'm telling you right now, get over it. Don't get me started on how much better you version is for deep studies. Oh, yeah, I mean deep studies. Well, but Kyle, I, when I have ideas, I write them in the margins of my Bible. Well, guess what? What if I told you you had endless margins? What if I told you you could now copy and paste some of the best things that you have possible from even greater scholars and theologians and cross-references and all of it and just highlight a note and put thousands on one single highlight of one single verse? Alright, anyway, if you like to hold your physical Bible, go ahead and do that. <laughs> but Kyle, I wanna I wanna hold a physical Bible just like they did in the old and the New Testament. <laughs> Sarcasm included. Alright, I want to do something really important here. Uh, in a minute, <laughs> yeah. I am going to read through uh, the 38th chapter in Ezekiel from the English Standard Version. Uh, you know, but but before I do, I want you to understand something because, you know, I want to be able to break it all down for you. Break it down. Uh, I want to show you uh, the difference between a passing glance uh, of reading, you know, you got your five minute devotional. That's okay. I'm happy for you. I'm so proud of you. Like that, I'm totally not, <laughs> I'm totally not ribbing on you because you're like, geez, I'm just doing a five minute devotional a day or, you know, one five minute devotional a week. I, you know, wh- wherever you got to start is where you got to start, man. Don't, don't let me get in the way. Of, don't get me in the way of you doing what you do. You know, get, get started somehow, get in that Bible. But anyway, if you are, uh, you know, you're busting through that, <clears throat> that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's at lunchtime. Uh, maybe it's you know, before you go to bed, everybody's got a different deal how they do it. Uh, but you know, inevitably you are throwing a passing glance at some kind of, you know, whether you're going through with your church or whatever, you got a little reading plan, a five day devotional thing that's, that's that you're reading on there. And, uh, and you know how it goes sometimes in those, you're just mind numbingly passing about, uh, you know, 90% of the important things that, that are in there. Uh, you know, that if you took the time to really, really study them, they, uh, I can guarantee you they'd blow up in living color right in your face. Boosh. So, look, in all honesty, uh, guys, I'd be a great podcaster. I'd be, a, you know, I'd be a better podcaster than I am right now if I just got to the point. But you don't have a podcaster here, do you? I'd be a horrible preacher. If I didn't take a second and think about this now, like it or not, well, after 25 years, I am not vocationally a pastor anymore. You're stuck with me. That's right. A guy who never gets to preach anymore and really, he really loves to do it. Yeah. He's got to really get some stuff out, doesn't he? So here we are <laughs> drilling down. You're stuck with me. So let's not be a good podcaster. Let's be a good preacher. Why do you people put up with me? I have no idea. 
Bean Point, Anna Maria Island, Florida, six months ago. Kyle, what? Yeah, just hang out, man. Go with me there, guys. Uh, Siesta Key, Florida. We love it. The Gray family and and I and Rachel's family before we got married has been in siesta key mode ever since our hearts were there in 1991. And ever since, we've gone on many vacations down there. I'll tell you what, we went six months ago, flew down to Siesta Key. From then, we were living in mid-Michigan. Now we have moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, but we flew down from there and had an incredible vacation. I just got to say as a side note, guys, my kids are older now. They're like, what are they, 2018 and, and 16 going on 17 here. Um, and so, you know, two are out of high school. Only one's a junior left in high school. And while we don't have grandkids yet, we're kind of at that beautiful stage where they're all, you know, they drive everywhere. They have their own jobs. They're all independent. Some don't even live here. And it's kind of that, that age where when, when you go to vacation now, they're like, we're all, it's really cool. We can all party and have fun together as adults. You know, uh, we have a blast. And so it's, it's like the days of pushing strollers around and integrating nap times and having, you know, just holy cow, the fiasco of it all. Like we don't have that anymore. We can literally do whatever we want. A lot of days on vacation, my kids just, you know, we only had a, we had a rental car there and they weren't signed to be able to drive that, but there were trolleys that come around the, the key there and they just leave and jump on a trolley and go for the day and do whatever they all wanted to do. Everybody can do whatever they want to do. Let's just meet back at dinner. You know, it's like one of those. It's amazing. <laughs> so Kyle, you're saying the best vacations are the ones where uh, ever, you're all separate. Well, sometimes no, 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 not the whole vacation, but you know, parts of it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we had a blast for five days. Yes, key. I mean, it's just awesome. The best of the best. Five days with everyone. It was incredible, guys. And then it happened. <clears throat> day six. You guys know day six of a seven day family vacation. Especially when it's just not right down the road or whatever. It's just day six, guys. You know exactly what I'm talking about when I say day six. You got a flight home tomorrow. You've been in the sun all week. You've been there. You've done that. You've conquered it all. I mean, the first three days were just rip-roaring fun. The back couple of days were like, oh, well, you know, let's get a few extra things in here we haven't done. And then you come to... Day freaking six. Everybody's beat. You know, we're all just trying to make the most of day six. <laughs> we're doing our best, even though everybody's completely wasted at that point. But we know we got to fly out tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. Or at least leave the, you know, leave the timeshare at 4 a.m on the beach to make our way up through Tampa to get to the airport and board and be able to take off by seven in the morning. We all know that day of hell is coming tomorrow. And we know that we got to leave this gorgeous place at the same time, but we're tired. We're irritable. Day six, guys. If you don't know it, I suggest you try it out sometime. You'll understand what I'm talking about. So it was our day six, six months ago, and boy, we had had a great vacation. 
I mean, honestly, to this day, some of the best restaurants we've been to, memories, fun stuff, just us as a family. So great. So on day six, it's my bright idea, and I think Rachel probably agreed with this, to say, hey, look, we had even gone to Miami for a day on this vacation. Now, we had busted it out, guys. So I decide, we decide, I think, to, we're just going to, you know, go up the series of keys here and drive slowly through each key and every key over a bridge of the inlet to the next key and the next little shopping plaza and the next key. And that's a lot of fun. And we knew where we wanted to end up, but we were going to take the super long way to get there. Maybe not the best choice. There's no other way to get there unless we flew. They're keys, right? So here we go. We jump from Siesta Key to St. Armand's to Longboat Key over to Bradenton Beach. And finally, we end up in Anna Maria Island. Some of you have been there. Some of you know. It's like the last desperate hurrah to Florida for the year for the Grays. We trudge onward, weary, beaten, distracted, and quite frankly, a little less impressed with the beauty of the white beaches and blue oceans than we were on day one because, <laughs> you know, we all eventually take everything for granted because that's what we do. You and me. You ever gone somewhere beautiful? I know I was out west, man, right? Last year. You guys know that. Follow me on social media. I was out in you know California, Oregon, uh, Washington for a couple months, man. And it was gorgeous. And I can tell you, uh, a couple weeks in, I was slowly starting not to see the snow-capped mountains. How was that possible? Two weeks in? Holy cow. You know how it goes. We take everything for granted. It's what we do. And the grays are no different. Finally, we arrive at Anna Maria Island at Bean Point, which is where we wanted to get to anyway. Now, if you've never been to Bean Point, you can go ahead and Google Earth that bad boy right now. Yeah, you're going to find it. Bean Point, Anna Maria Island, Florida. It's secluded. I mean, I would, I would honestly, I kind of put it as it's, it's basically private. While they're not going to kick you off the beach, it's, you know, it's nothing like you go to most beaches in Florida and you park in a giant parking lot like Disney World and you make your way to the beach, right? By the way, I'm just not a beach guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like getting a place and staying on the beach. I like waking up to the beach. I like going to bed with the beach in the background or sitting out having a few cocktails, you know, whatever. I love that. I do love, you know, an occasional like one swim in the beach over a week and then in the ocean. Other than that, I like my pool at the uh, condos or wherever we're at. Uh, and, you know, it's great being in Florida, hearing that, but I'm just not all day beach guy. Like, I can't believe when I go, you just see that dude. He's got gold chains and he is... Like, you feel like he just got off the grill. His skin is so leathery, uh, and his wife's always there, and she always has barely a bikini on, no matter how old she is, and just, I mean, these guys are fried. And they lay on the beach 
from morning until night. They've got their customized umbrella. They usually have some type of music going. They have a cooler all packed and sitting there, and they are in it for the freaking long haul. Not just one day, but probably five in a row. Guys, that's not me. So if you're looking for that beach, this is not it. You're never going to find it. It's really hard to find, guys. Beanpoint, literally. If you're looking at it there on, on your Google Maps, it's it's uh, you can see what I'm talking about. So go ahead. Google Earth that thing. All right. Beanpoint. I mean, for, for when you're traveling the keys like that, um, uh, this is, of course, uh, if you guys don't understand, I'm talking about the keys on the west coast, the Gulf side of, of Florida, not the south of the Florida keys. OK, obviously. But anyway, I mean, same kind of concept, just a lot smaller, obviously. But if you're, if you're doing that, you're traveling those keys and you get to be in point. I mean, you're, you're at the end of your road, like you can't jump anymore. So it feels like you're at the end of the world. And, and there come the grays. If you're looking at pulling up on North Shore Drive and in a wall to wall beachfront property neighborhood. This is this is all dead end streets all curl back on each other. You're in a key, right? It's a peninsula uh, with ocean on every side of it. It's not very big to begin with. Wall-to-wall houses. I'm going to tell you, friends, good luck finding a parking spot with all the houses packed so closely together. There's no parking signs anywhere, as in don't park here because these are for residents, you know, because these poor people have to live there and a lot of them are rentals. So then those people need their spaces. It's ridiculous. It's almost like Bean Point is, is giving you the vacation middle finger. You ever had that? Oh, we have. I mean, it's a ton of work to make this stop happen. Yeah, you're really selling me, Kyle. Thanks. But let alone on day six when everybody's tired. And it doesn't matter, friends, if you've got little kids and, and they're just throwing a fit and they're tired. They got to take a nap. They're at the end of their life. Hey, it doesn't get any better the older they get. Because <clears throat> I had I had some um, uh, beyond teenagers and late teenagers really pissy. And I'm not going to name any names, but EDN uh, Kaysen. Um, so there we are. And I, I will admit wholeheartedly day six was, you know, it's, it's rough, but it was really hot on this day six. And I mean, hot. So here we are driving around. I finally give up and I decide to park illegally on, uh, Alamanda Avenue. Totally surrendering, I guess, now that I'm thinking back at it, to the reality that I could possibly, uh, return to a towed rental van in an hour, but, uh, day six had me so hard that that I didn't even care. Uh, that's how worn down and defeated we were by this point. There we go. We park. Now, off we go. If you could just picture it with me. Finally heading, or at least trying to find, this hidden Jumanji-like trail to get to the forbidden bean point. And from where we parked, it's like, did was it this street? Was it that street? You can picture us. Everybody's pretty moody. You get it at this point, right? Uh, a few of us, <clears throat> uh, uh, myself included, had chose not to wear shoes like idiots. Guys, not only was the blacktop scorching, and I mean like I was ready to take my pants off and wrap them around my feet. My swimsuit as it is, as it were. But then once you find this mile long sand trail or so it seems, 
<laughs> it's a tiny sand trail between the houses to even get to the beach. And then all along the sand trail, the, and it's hot sand. And I don't have shoes on. There are these tiny, super pointy acorn type of things that had fallen from these trees from hell, from Lego trees of death up above, and trying to make our way to the beach. And it is truly, guys, I'm not even kidding. It's truly making this bean point thing a Black Friday event of the worst kind. Here we're trudging long, defeated, and then it happened. We pop out of the head of this sand trail right onto the beach. From the corner of North Shore Drive and Gladiola Street, we found paradise. But Kyle, you've you've seen the beach for the last five days, you moron. Nobody cares. <laughs> you know? We had, we had been there for five days. No. No, we had never seen anything like this. Here's what's different about Bean Point. And I mean literally, not like when you pop out on the beach to the left or to the right. If you're looking at Bean Point on Google Earth, literally Bean Point. Here's what's different. It's at the very end of a key. One direction as you're standing, picture yourself, you're standing at Bean Point, your feet are in the sand, you look all the way to your left, as hard as you can twist, and you're overlooking the Gulf of Mexico. You turn straight forward, and as far as you can see, way off in the distance, you're going to see clear water. Way off. And you turn now all the way to the right, as far as you can see, twisting to the right. Off in the distance, you see Tampa and the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. Guys... It's so unique. You're, you're, you're standing on this pure white sand with ocean directly on the left, directly in front, and directly to the right of you. You know what's really cool about this is as you're standing there, it's such a, especially after five days of being on different beaches, whether it was Miami or whether it was Siesta Key, uh, that we're sitting there, you know, where all the waves are rolling in as usual. Right here at Bean Point, you see all these three directions of waves crisscrossing at the same exact spot all coming together in different types of cascades and and you know you see uh, white heads all of them hitting together and it's really really cool and the water is that miami beach level of turquoise right there it's secluded it's soft gorgeous stand sand and and me and rachel and aj just stood there in awe I mean, truly, for day six, once we got out there and figured out what was going on, what we were looking at, how cool this was, we were in awe. Guys, all of a sudden, it was amazing. We were no longer tired. We were no longer irritated or distracted by our self-inflicted first world problems from five days of gorgeous beach vacation. Come on, guys. This was something different. And man, we were beside ourselves. 
with this refreshing joy, with this newfound appreciation for God's beauty. We truly didn't want to leave. We didn't want to leave because we saw deeper in that moment than we had all week. This was profound. And I'm not kidding. You can't. My wife never listens to this podcast. Why would she? She doesn't even like me. You go and you talk to her and you bring up Bean Point or you say that to AJ and they are going to give you the exact same story I am giving you right now that we sat out there and it was profound and we were in awe. Well, me, Rachel, and AJ were in awe because Adia and Case had never made it this far. I know. No, no, no. They stopped right at the end of the landmine comically long sand trail because they were totally spent. I mean, they were really grumpy, guys. They were irritated, tired, doesn't help. Uh, Kaysen was hungry. Good Lord. When that boy is hungry and tired, <laughs> God save us all. They were done. Day six had suplexed them from the top of the proverbial vacation ropes. And so there they sat in protest, in hatred of us. They refused to walk the extra quarter mile on the sandy beach that looked like, honestly, I can understand their apprehension and looked like every other beach they had seen all week. But they didn't walk the extra quarter mile down to see Bean Point. They chose to stop at 811 North Shore Drive Beach. They were willing to take their journey only so far as it worked out for their comfort and their schedule. And guess what, guys? They missed it. You know what makes me even matter is that Rachel, AJ, and I, we even were enjoying it so much. We're like, guys, we have to go back. We have to try to get them to understand. Like, I see them. I think that's them way down there. I can't tell if that's a beached whale on the beach or if those are kids in protest lying around. You know, we got to go down. Like, we even make the effort to walk all the way back, guys, and tell them, guys, you got to come over here. It's amazing, we said. It's so gorgeous, we said. Oh, guys, don't worry. They're like, it's hot. And we're like, yeah, we're on the beach. But trust me, from there, the breeze is coming from all sides. It's not hot there. I promise you, it's not at all hot there like it is here, where you're smoldering in this sandy pocket of safety and self-inflicted pity partying, we said. But no, they refused. And they missed it. Guys, it's possible to be both at Bean Point, all of us together, and have completely different experiences. Both are real, but both in the end tell a very different story. And I would say, this is me and my life, it's always worth the effort to go deeper. I, I just don't... I don't have, look, I don't hang around anybody that, that is, is hooked on the safety of the shallowness. If they don't take a risk, they're never playing it straight or they're never, you know, they're never taking, they're never taking a risk. They're never, they're never playing it a little bit risky. And they're never saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to go all out here. I'm going to, I'm going to have a little, I'm going to try something here. Like, that's just not the people I hang around. It's just not, I don't want to be safe. I don't see it in the Bible. I don't want to be safe spiritually. Now, I'm not going out jumping out of planes with a parachute. I don't care about that stuff. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm just talking about life stuff, following God, taking a second to say, maybe, maybe I'm tired. You know, I had a great quote that I read the other day that was, um, you know, that I'm going to use at some point when it's needed, but it went a little like something like, if you are at the point right now in your life where 
you are, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to completely um, butcher this because I'm just saying it off the top of my head. Um, wait, maybe I have it here. Maybe I, you know, this is, boy, God, I'll wait to ruin a perfectly good point. But in, anyway, the, the, the crux of it was if you are um, at a place in your life where you feel like, you know, you're dead, you're either buried or you're ready to grow, you know? And the point was bloom. You know, you get to that point where you feel like you're buried. You feel like you're you're six feet under and you're, you know, everything, your life is just going crashing down and you can either die in that grave or you can treat it like a, a flower would, you know, a plan not to get cheesy and you could do something about it and actually grow, get out of your safety zone. All right. All right. So it's worth the effort to go deeper. I know you're tired. And I'm saying this in regards to your relationship with the Lord, your Bible reading, all of it. I know you're tired. I know you're distracted. I get it. I'm the same way. I'm not perfect. It happens too. I know you're irritable. I know you're hungry. I know you're busy, whatever. I know. But I'm here to tell you it's possible for you, listen, to whip open your Bible for those daily five-minute readings, even if you're that disciplined, all right, and completely miss it. No, I don't want you to miss it. All right. I don't want you to miss it. So the first thing we're going to do, <laughs> 45 minutes in, welcome to Drilling Down. By the way, if this is your first time, hey, now look, look, one thing that bugs me like crazy, I tell people all the time on this podcast is that I hate when there's multiple hosts and they talk for 45 minutes just about dumb stuff or what what beer they're popping open or uh, just random things, you know, and they're just buddy-buddy in it to themselves. Like it, nothing, I, I have to delete that podcast. I can't do it. You're not here for that. I'm not here for that. Now, while I say it's going to take 45 minutes to actually get to uh, something, uh, I hope uh, I hope I've definitely had a nerve getting here. All right. Anyway, I'm going to read from Ezekiel 38 in the English Standard Version in, in your Bible. And I'm just going to read it straight through. So picture yourself, you're doing a, an aggressive Bible study where you read a whole chapter a day. Let's call that aggressive. And and you pull up on, uh, you know, er, you've just parked the car the, a few days now. You've been in Ezekiel 36 and 37, and it's kind of like you're, you're going, what the crap's going on? So by Ezekiel 38, you, you have, uh, you're probably glossed over, uh, and you're going to read this. And I'm going to read it now. So I'm going to read it now, then we're going to unpack it. How's that sound? Remember, Bible first. Here we go. Ezekiel 38 from the English Standard Version. The word of the Lord, now this is Ezekiel prophet, right? That, that, uh, that God's gonna speak to him, all right? The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, God says to Ezekiel, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Mekex and Tubal and prophesy against him and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Mekex and Tubal, and I will turn you about, listen, and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out. All of your army horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield wielding swords, God says. Persia, Cush and Put are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his hordes, <laughs> isn't this great? Words, we're going to unpack this, but you're just reading it, okay? Beth to Garmeth from the uttermost parts of the north and with all the hordes, many peoples with you. Be ready and keep ready, you and all your hosts that are assembled about you, and be a guard about them. For many, after many days, you will be mustered. In the later years, latter years, you will go against the land that is restored from war. 
the land whose people were gathered from many peoples upon the mountains of Israel, which had been a continual waste. Its people were brought out of the peoples and now dwell securely, all of them. You will advance, coming on like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land and you and all your hordes and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God on that day, thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme. And you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, all of them dwelling without walls and having no bars or gates to seize and spoil and carry off plunder, to turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited and the people who were gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods will dwell at the center of the earth, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarsus with all of its leaders will say to you, Have you come to seize the spoil? Have you assembled your hosts to carry off plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods and seize great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, the, thus says, the, that's Gog, G-O-G, thus says the Lord God, G-O-D, on that day when my people Israel are dwelling securely, will you not know it? Will you come from your place out of the uttermost parts of the north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great host, a mighty army? You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud covering the land. In the latter days, I will bring you against my land, and the nations may know me, when through you, O Gog, G-O-G, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God." Are you he of whom I spoke in former days by my servants and prophets of Israel, who in those days prophesied for years that I would bring you against them? But on the day, the day that Gog, G-O-G, shall come against the land of Israel, declares, declares the Lord God, my wrath will be roused in my anger. For in my jealousy and in my blazing wrath, I declare, on that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel." And the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep on the ground and all people who are on the face of the earth shall quake at my presence and the mountains shall fall and be thrown down and the cliffs shall fall and every wall shall tumble every wall. Every wall shall tumble to the ground, and I will summon a sword against Gog, G-O-G, on all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain upon him and his hordes and the many peoples who are with him torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. <sighs> All right, so uh, how many of you are like Adia and Kaysen right now on that beach? You, I was reading that, you're already departed. And you've entered your daydream of whatever you need to do today or what's for dinner tonight or where the kids need to be in an hour. I get it. I get it. But I want you to understand that what I just read in Ezekiel 38 right there is literally 
the blueprints, the end game, the final game board setup for the biblical end times. Literally like a heat-seeking missile from 2,500 years ago to your heart and your ears and this new cycle today. From North Shore Drive to Bean Point. Now, let's see what we have here. Chapters 38 and 39 are together predicting. I'm just going to... Again, we're going to spend a little bit of time here, but not much, all right? Because I've covered these a lot in in former episodes, all right? These chapters right here are predicting a yet from today when you're listening to this future invasion. There's going to be a few invasions that happen against Israel by an attack of unified, predominantly Muslim nations. This particular attack in Ezekiel 38 and 39 is led by a man named Gog. And the overarching modern Magog, uh, basically, for our purposes here, consider that Russia. Or that's what we see in the Bible as far north from Israel. Talking about Russia. So, I want to help us understand this prophecy here, um... And what we need to know are, well, okay, so what nations are around today that were also around back in Zeke's day when God just gave him this awesome uh, revelation and, and prophecy? We've talked about Magog here, Makesh, uh, Persia, Elam, Cush, Put, Gomer. Um, you know, you're hearing these words and you're going, when you're reading this through quickly in, in your Bible study, you're going, what is this, Tagorma? But I will tell you that a breakdown of this, as you're looking at this in your Bible, Magog is, you know, can be Central Asia, but you're, you're really talking about Kazakhstan, Chikjakistan, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan. I can't pronounce a stan. Okay. Lots of modern day stands. You get it. You know where they're at. It's a coalition between these guys. And then in the Bible says Mekes and Tubal, which is Turkey today. Okay. So we're keeping our eye on Turkey. Persia and Elam in the Bible are always Iran, okay? Uh, the sworn enemy of Israel. T- today, the leadership of Iran says it exists to destroy Israel. So keep an eye on that. Uh, yeah, what I could say, a rabbit trail. Cush, we talked about, which is Ethiopia and Sudan. There's e- even parts reaching into Egypt with that. Put in the Bible is Libya today. And then Gomer and Tagarma is, again, Turkey. So... We, we have, uh, leading up to this, we see we see a war that's happening, and I'll explain the inner and outer rings in a second, okay? So when I, when I talk about this stuff, it should be pretty clear. I'm going to do my best to keep this pretty clear. This chapter, I'm focusing on 38, um, involves all those stands, just to be clear. It involves Turkey, Iran, parts of Northern Africa, and Libya, along with the Russians attacking Israel. Chapter 39 kind of talks about the aftermath of this, including some nuclear proponents. And another war that's going to happen a little more towards the middle of the tribulation that's going to bring about the Antichrist. Okay, so back to chapter 38. Again, 
This is one of those situations where I want to try to cover too many things from chapter 36, 37, 38, and 39, and then Psalm 83 that I really need to uh, need to pull myself together here so I'm not confusing you. So I'm not going to bury us in the weeds of these two chapters right now, but this is important when it comes to America today. Oh, there he got to it. Uh, chapter, uh, what are we, 55 minutes in? Good job, Kyle. Understanding this from a 30,000 foot view. All right. Leading up to this chapter 38 and chapters 36 and 37, if you want to read that later, that's fantastic. We see a war that's going to happen. Psalm 83 talks about the same war, a different part of the Bible. And this is what I always call the inner ring of nations. Now, when I talk about inner and an outer ring of nations, these are all Muslim nations predominantly, and it's, it's centric to Israel. Okay, so remember that. So the inner ring of nations is literally the Muslim nations right now, go look at a map, that literally share a border with modern-day Israel. Okay? That's the inner ring of Muslim nations. And in the few chapters leading up to where we are just now, where we read, that inner ring of Muslim nations decided to be provoked and attack Israel. Now, guys, this could happen as you're listening to this. Literally, the stage is set. Okay, this is the next thing. This is what we're looking for. Israel is going to defeat them. Okay, Israel is going to defeat them. The IDF is going to prevail completely and utterly. All right. And us Bible prophecy nerds are all watching this really closely right now with every rock and makeshift missile that's lobbed over the wall from Palestine, amongst many other things. This could happen now. And Israel, the IDF, is going to lay waste to them. That war could happen today. The table is set. That can happen before the rapture. That will happen next, I believe. I mean, you gotta go back and listen to episode 69 of mine. Nice. The Valley of the Dry Bones, how Israel has come back to life. Oh, you got to hear that. So by the time we enter chapter 38, we are left because of that war that that inner ring of Muslim nations went to war with Israel. That could happen today. Israel prevails. And so by the time we get to chapter 38, which is what's going to happen after that, Israel's stronger than we even see them today. They are confident They have expanded land. They took all those people's land. They got Palestine back. They got all that back. And as we just read, if you weren't totally zoning out during Ezekiel 38, they come by Ezekiel 38 living in unwalled villages. Now, this could be two years down the road from whenever this next war happens. Right? Okay. Living in unwalled villages because Israel wins that war and they're like, hey. I mean, Israel's not living in unwalled villages now. They have intense security around all of their borders and all of that. So uh, clearly they are not there at this point. But after they win this war, according to Ezekiel 36, 37, and then Psalm 83, you're going to see that they win that war and they now are fat and relaxed. And Ezekiel 38 comes around and God starts commanding Ezekiel to prophesy against these Muslim nations for what they're about to do because Israel just had that war with the inner ring and they won it. Now that could happen right now. Kyle, there's a dead horse at the door. I'm just trying to help guys. That's done. 
Israel is now living in unwalled villages. This could be two years down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 100 million thousand years down the road. Is that even a number? It doesn't matter, but I believe it's soon. And now God's going to speak to the outer ring of Muslim nations that we talked about there. We, we named a lot of those guys, didn't we? Back uh, back a few minutes ago, Magog, right? Makesh and Tubal, Persia, Lam, Kush, Put, Gomer, and Tagorma. We named all those. Uh, we also know that now they are all the stands. They're Turkey, Iran, um, Ethiopia, Sudan, parts of Egypt, Libya, right? We get it. Those are things we know next. So that's what's going to happen now. And they're all going to align with Russia to attack Israel when Israel is fat and happy and probably overconfident from the war they just won. And we see here that they get attacked. I'm going to go back now in light of this and read from chapter 38 of Ezekiel verses 1 through 12. And the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face towards Gog in the land of Magog. Set your face towards Russia and the chief prince of Makesh and Tubal and prophesy against Turkey, prophesy against Iran, prophesy against all these guys and say, behold, I'm God. I'm God. And I'm going to come at you, you outer ring neighbors of Israel who are conspiring in your hearts to attack them and Russia. And I'm going to take you. And I'm going to put hooks into your jaws. Now, back then, we think of that as fishing a lot. And I understand. But you also have to understand back then it was if you were trying to corral a certain um, beast of the field or, or, you know, an oxen or whatever, you would, they would have these, these hooks that you would put into their jaws and literally, you know, drag them onto the right path and lead them exactly to which pasture you wanted them to go. So Yahweh says, I'm going to take you, Russia. Uh, you know, all these surrounding nations that are conspiring against Israel now that Israel's fat and happy in their own lands. I'm going to put hooks in your jaws, God says, and I'm going to bring you out, you and all your army, your horses, your horsemen, all of your, you know, nuclear navies and planes, all of it, guys. I'm going to bring you out full armor, full hosts, and you are going to be wielding the mightiest parts of your army, Russia and Iran. You, Persia, Kush, put, you're all with them, Turkey. You're all with them, the stands, right? Hey, now we know we're talking about Libya. You're all there. Gomer and his hordes, Betagarma and the outermost parts of the north and all the hordes, those of Russia. You're all there. God says, be ready. Keep ready for you and all your hosts that have assembled about you. Be on guard. He says, after many days, you're going to be mustered. I'm going to muster you, God says. In the latter years, and he's mustered them already, hasn't he? These nations are all in league and in line against Israel. It's go time, guys. In the latter years, you will go against the land that is restored from war. That's Israel. The land whose people were gathered from many peoples, that's Israel. Episode 69, upon the mountains of Israel, which had been a continual waste, that's Israel. Its people were brought out of the peoples and now dwell securely, all of them, from that war they just won. It's making sense. You all advance. You'll be coming on like a storm, God says to these wicked nations. Why is God letting them do this? You're going to be like a cloud covering the land, all your hordes and many people with you. And thus says the Lord God, on that day, thoughts are going to come into your mind. You're going to devise an evil scheme and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to go up against, this coalition is going to go up against Turkey, Iran, Russia, the stands, Libya. We're going to go up against parts of Egypt, the unwalled villages of Israel sitting in all their splendor. And I will fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, 
all of them dwelling without walls and having no bars or gates. Because Israel is fat and happy. This could be in two years, guys. Again, the first thing we're looking for is the inner ring to attack Israel and Israel to have complete success on their own devices, their own hands, their own military might. Thus says the Lord God on that day, thoughts will come into your mind. You will devise an evil scheme, he says to these stands in Turkey and Libya and Russia and Iran. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to go up against the land of unwalled villages. I'm going to fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, all of them without walls and having no bars or gates to seize. Here's why they're going to do it. We're going to go to seize spoil and to carry off plunder and to turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited. That's Israel. And the people who were gathered from the nations, that's Israel, who have acquired livestock and goods, that's Israel, that dwell at the center of the earth. And this is incredible how different it is when it makes sense. Now, one thing you have to understand that it's important to note, and I've, I try to cover this, but I don't want to confuse you, that none of the modern day players that we've just learned about right there um, are in the previous chapter's wars, okay? So you understand that. This is now the outer ring we're talking about. The next thing that has to happen, you're so mad at me right now if you are getting it, the inner ring esoteric, okay? Okay, so I just want to make that clear, guys. Chapter 38 here shows us a coalition of outer ring Muslim nations that are going to attack them and be so bad for Israel They're literally going to be so mighty against Israel that Yahweh himself has to step in and pop a can on their anti-Semitic arses. This is the coalition led by the Russian-Iranian governments. Who cares, Kyle? We care because we're Americans. So, uh, I think in the next episode i am going to talk about uh some different theories people have about where america could be in the end times and uh i just want to focus right now on what kind of what i in the end actually believe from isaiah or ezekiel sorry 38 here verse 13 Remember, Israel has become increasingly powerful since the last war they had at this point. They have more land now. They have all those military assets they seized from everyone. They have more confidence. And that's why all these Russian-Iranian coalitions come attack them. Because they're so wealthy. They're so powerful. I mean, you guys, again, the nation of Israel is the size of New Jersey in the middle of a Middle East hotbed where everyone wants to kill them. And you know that Israel has been so blessed that apart from the impossible rejuvenation in 1948, go listen to episode 69, they also have a vast oil fields that they are preparing today to start blessing Europe with. I'm going to say that again. They have been blessed by God. And this is again in prophecy in the Old Testament with vast oil fields and if you want to watch the news cycle today you're going to see how they're they've just made broker deals with europe and they're starting to do a pipeline 
and transport oil to all of Europe in exchange for, of course, some money, but then alliances and the like. Well, who cares, Kyle? Good for them. Guys, do you know who provides Europe with the overwhelming majority of their oil today? Russia. This needs to be something you start paying attention to. Ezekiel 38 says the Russian-Iran coalition is ready to pounce on Israel when all of a sudden a few nations, listen, start protesting this. Oh, well, good. Albeit vocally and lamely, they still protest it. I want to look at verse 13. Here is in Ezekiel 38, right? Just to go jump right before that. And these nations are going to say, I'm going to go up against the unwalled villages. I'm going to fall on these quiet people, all of them dwelling without walls. I'm going to have no bars and gates. I'm going to see spoil for them. I'm going to carry off plunder. I'm going to turn my hand, our hand against the waste places that are now inhabited. And the people who are gathered from the nations and those acquired livestock and goods and dwell the center of the earth. I'm going to get them. Rawr, right. And then, and then we see that a few nations actually protest in verse 13. May I read it? Sheba and Dedan... And the merchants of Tarshish and all its leaders will say to you, God says to these wicked nations, have you come to see spoil? Hey, guys, have you come around here to see spoil? Have you assembled your hosts to carry off plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to seize great spoil? So there's a group of nations that go, hey, guys, this ain't right. <laughs> you guys can need to stop it. Well, I believe in, uh, in another translation, uh, a few different translations, you're going to see this verse say uh, Sheba and Danan and the young lions of Tarshish and all its leaders are going to say, hey guys, you come out to get... Okay, you get it. <laughs> young lions of Tarshish. Who, who's Tarshish, first and foremost? Um, years and years and years, I mean, a long time ago, it was kind of thought maybe it was Spain. But it has largely today become understood by by the majority of scholars. And I side with this. I have been all around the map on this. I side that it's predominantly talking about England. You could say Europe, the United Kingdom, whatever you want to say. But, you know, you guys have to remember that, that while after the Old Testament and then after the New Testament, I mean, you know, you had Rome, right? You had the Greeks, you had you had all this stuff that that uh, were, you, know, you had the Babylonians and the Syrians and all that stuff in the biblical times, but then you had the Greeks, you had the Romans, and then you had the, the conquest of, of course, the Middle Ages and all that stuff. England ruled the world. You know, so I think it's really funny, just as a side note, the people in, if people in America, us Americans are like, hey, why are we in Bible prophecy? You know, I, I think like the, the people in England should be like, why aren't we in Bible? Like, we rule this earth, man. We went to war with the Ottomans and, you know, we, we own the Dark Ages and Catholicism and all that stuff. So... That 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 uh, is is uh, interesting, and I believe, as do many other scholars, that Tarshish is indeed talking about England, Europe, that whole side of things. Now, when the different translations say Sheba and Dedan and the and the young lions of Tarshish are going to protest this, uh, I believe it, along with other scholars, that it does make really good sense that it's really talking about colonies, the young lions of Tarshish, the colonies of England. 
Uh, and you might come along and say, hey, man, we're America. We're bigger. Why am I using this voice so much in this episode? We're America. We're way bigger than a young lion. We should be called something better. We're even better than them now. Uh, not to God. Oh. Young lions protest. So looking at this, I mean, this is really turning your head on this whole portion of scripture, isn't it? Looking at this, thinking about that, uh, could you imagine? I'm just asking you right now. If you're an American, again, I know people from different places around the world listen to this. I have the data. Welcome. We love you. I, a weird amount from Europe. It must be a bot or something. If you're American, you're an idiot gringo like me. You can't face the fact that apparently, let's say that is us, the young lions of Tarshish. And there are some scholars that I love, I respect, that say, no, 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 I see him somewhere else or I don't see him at all. That's fine. It's all good. It doesn't matter. I believe that's them. And, and even if so, it, we are we are that weak. Now, can, it's no way it's going to happen now. So that's, that's whole my point. If you're around drilling down often, you're going to understand that I say, like, right now, somebody attacks Israel today. Again, I think we're part of when, when that first thing happens, Ezekiel 36, 37, Psalm 83, that Ezekiel, or hello, that Israel wins that war of the inner ring Muslim nations, that we have a, a big part of that. I mean, because I believe that can happen right now, and we're never going to let anyone attack Israel. We're going to lay waste to them. But it turns out by that very next war, which isn't long after, maybe, maybe, maybe three years after, maybe four years after, maybe, it's not long. That now Russia and by that time, the Iranians and the remaining Muslim superpowers are ready to destroy Israel because they're sick of them being fat and happy. And in that time, America has disappeared. You see? We're weak. At best, we've absorbed into some kind of European machine because we're not able to de defend Israel with our military. Like we did just a few years earlier, I believe. It doesn't matter anyway, because apparently Yahweh has had enough. And it's time for this roaring lion to defend his precious nation. Verses 14 through 23 of Ezekiel 38. Let me read. Remember, we just protested. Hey guys, oh, you're coming here to take all that spoil. Have you assembled your host to carry off plunder to carry away silver and gold? Yeah. Did they? <laughs> you took away some livestock and goods. You came to seize great spoil. Therefore, oh, we're out of that verse, okay? We've just protested. Oh, good God. Uh, therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog. And now you know it's this coalition. Say, this says the Lord on that day when my people Israel are dwelling securely. <sighs> will you not know it? Sure you will. You'll have it in your hearts. You want to come against him. You will come from your place out of the uttermost parts of the north. Russia. You and many peoples with all of you, all of them riding on horses, a great host, a mighty army. You will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud covering the land. In the latter days, I will bring you against my land. God's going to allow them to attack that the nations may know me. Why? So that the world can see who he is. And he can vindicate his holiness before their eyes. You, you are one who 
I am going to attack. And on that day, you're going to come against the land of Israel, but my wrath will be roused in your anger. And in my jealousy and my blazing wrath, I declare on that day, there shall be a great earthquake, the fish of the sea. You get it. All hell is going to break loose where Yahweh is going to throw a can down on these guys and obliterate them himself. A few years before, Israelite won on their own. Israel went on their own. But this time, they're going to realize they can't do it without Yahweh. And the world's going to see who Yahweh is. And apparently, America does nothing to stop it, can do nothing to stop it, except give a little protest. And God, Yahweh, rains down hellfire on them and destroys them. Now, this bleeds over into chapter 39 that we're not going to get into for our purposes. Just know that the world's going to be watching this, guys. It's going to be captured on every cell phone, every news camera. It's going to be plastered all over the internet. You will not be able to deny that God is real and that he alone can destroy the armies of men and the world will tremble and fear him. And the time will finally be right for a one world government. The time will finally be set. The stage will be set for a one world leader to come and console Israel and promise her peace and say, you know what? Whatever just happened there, it's never going to happen again. You can trust us. Europe and America and all these nations unified under one umbrella, we're here. We promise you peace. Now, if you're a regular here at Drilling Down, as and if you're not, you should be. Welcome. A deal is going to be brokered here for the Antichrist. And things are going to get horrific because it's going to turn on the world. After this war. And show Israel they can't trust him. He's going to desecrate the temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And he's going to wage war against God and those heavenly armies that just worked over that coalition. Oh, alas, that's not our intent in this episode. I know. Now, now you see what America will become. One of the things that was hardest about church work for me, at least preaching at church, number one, you get 35 minutes, you know, and you can't possibly delve into this stuff. You just can't because it's not it's not right. You're not I mean, unless you're at church that does it over and over every single week and every single week will, you know, roll on the other one. That's that's something different. But if you're a topical, you know, church like I have my opinions on this, but if you're a topical church and, um, you know, you're just bouncing from one topic to another, you, there's no time to settle into that stuff. So that being said, you kind of always have to end with hope. <laughs> you know, that that's what you have to do when you're topically driven. Everything has to be about hope. And man, if you can't find anything in life, if you're hurting right now, if you are down in the dumps, you come here and we got a sermon for you and everything becomes about hope. But honestly, as a podcaster and, uh, you know, a, a former preacher, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't believe there is any hope for America. Now, I'm not, I think what we can do, I'll talk about this in the future. I'll talk about what we can do, but there is going to be no rah-rah turn this nation around because we were gone. And I'm going to explain why we're gone in the next episode or two, however long it takes. I'm going to tell you what's going on here. I wanted to lead this way, what America will become. We're going to become 
Just another protester, guys. How does that happen? There's no saving her. Because I see Ezekiel 38, and I see we're not in it. And what part we could be is, I believe, the young lions of Tarshish, which is protesters. If you're, if you're somebody who believes that's not even us, we're, we're not even that. We somehow fold into a one-world government and we're relegated to a mere protester, guys. It seems inconceivable. What happens? I ask you, how do we get so weak? I think to answer that question, we need to take a look back at who America is, but how we got to this point and what we're becoming to understand. And I'm talking about biblically, okay? Biblically as a nation, how we fit in. Guys, you can sit on North Shore Drive and continue to be distracted or you can jump into the inscrutable glories of the depths of the biblical prophecies and tell a completely new story. One full of life-changing adventures that await on our very doorsteps. Next up, part two of America and Bible Prophecy.